want apple juice. Lucas wants apple juice. I know, I heard him can say I that. Can I have apple juice? Yeah, you can have apple juice. Can I have soda? Yes, you can have soda. Can I press that button? No, you can't press that button. Why? Because that's going to play the theme song. I'm not ready to start Click. the pot. He's not just hi, Dad. He's my dad. James Gutman! What is up, guys? James Gutman here on Hi Pod. I'm Dad. Welcome back to another edition of the show. It is May. May 2022. Thank you for tuning in on another Friday. I'm available everywhere. If you can get your podcast somewhere, you can get this podcast there, whether it's Amazon, Audible, whatever, Spotify, Stitcher, any of that. Give it a like, give it a subscribe, hit the bell, hit the button. Hit everything, man. Whack-a-mole. Whack-a-mole. I should just say that in the beginning. Hey, what's up, guys? Whack-a-mole. That would be great. New people would be like, <laughs> it's a crazy show. Thank you for checking it out. Thank you for being here every Friday. If you did find me also on highpodomdad.com, you can bookmark it as well as are all of our archives uh, right there, dating back, at this point, years. Just like the blog, years of going back, just writing about things in my life, getting things out. And this has been a week where... And it's a little different than most. Uh, I like to write about my son. I like to write about, you know, raising a child who's nonverbal, the differences in that. I wanted to do a lot of that in April, and I did. This week, though, I wanted to focus a little bit more on me and about how, I don't know, how my life in some ways has evolved for me, whether it's how I approach my son and how I approach things in my life. I wrote about finding strength during life's hardest moments, uh, what helped me do that, what helped me get through that. Some of the things that I had to do uh, between heart health and between you know, accepting my son, which was a big difference. You know, we talk about that autism awareness. I was aware that he had autism, autism acceptance. I was like, he's got autism. Okay, let's work with that. Autism appreciation. My kid is awesome because of parts of his personality that would only exist through autism, through the fact that he's nonverbal. A lot of the interactions that him and I have are all based on nonverbal communication. And while I'd love for him to be able to use his words to get what he wants easier, I don't know, to wave a magic wand would be to take away all those interactions that he and I have had. So I've, I've learned to appreciate him in ways. So that was the one that I wrote on Monday. And on Wednesday, I wrote about being an advocate, not a victim. And that's about some of the things that I've been through in my life and how they were kind of private. So it happens to all of us, right? Something taboo happens, whether it's illness in the family, a situation you're going through, a particular person doing things, you know, whatever it happens to be in your life, there's something you don't talk about. So you hide it, worried that somebody else is going to bring it up. So bring it up first and find other people who can relate to you in that sense. And that's what I've tried to do with my heart, mental health, with my son, with, you know, being divorced, all these different things, rather than hide them in shame and worry and guilt and all these other things. And I pointed out in this blog, how even my heart surgery was, you know, fraught with guilt from really toxic people in my life at the time. And now it's not, you know? And one of the things that gave me the power back was talking about it and putting it out there and explaining what I went through and talking to people who were in a similar boat and realizing that it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks because at the end of the day, whatever I'm going through, there's going to be other people out there who went through it. So that was on Wednesday and I really, it was an important one. So I'm glad. I appreciate you guys letting me write that, letting me get it out there. And yeah, man, it has been... 
just this month of, I don't know, self-exploration, kind of trying to become a better person. And one of the things that I wanted to talk about is uh, it's a scam. Yeah. And I call it a scam for a reason. I call it the scam of getting closure. And the reason why this is a scam is it's something that has scammed me many times. What am I talking about? I'm talking about at the end of an argument, at the end of some sort of you know break between two people, whether it's a relationship, whether it's a friendship, whether it's anything, even in some cases, business relationships, people go their separate ways. And there's usually some sort of conflict that leads to it. Now, I'm big when I argue with somebody on making sure they know where I'm coming from. You can't accuse me of doing something unless you could tell me what you're talking about. And here's what I mean. I've had arguments with people where they'll turn around and be like, well, you always do this. And I say, name one time I've done that. This has been a thing that I've dealt with before. Well, you always tell me that I'm this. And I'm like, okay, when? When did I do that? Give me one, one time I did that. Now, you'd be surprised how many people can't do it at all. Because what happens is people have conversations in their head, they have arguments, and they start to project things on you, and different people start to think other people did things. Not saying that I haven't done that to somebody else. I might have, but that's always been my thing. Tell me what it is. When I argue with somebody, so to speak, I go point by point, and I know it annoys people because that's how I debated growing up. I learned how to argue when I was in high school, and to me, if the whole world argued like that, we all would be happy. We all would just get through everything. Essentially, what I do is I go point by point. If you say, hey, you did one, two, and three, I'm going to go through and show you, no, I didn't do one, two, and three, and here's why. You know, People don't like that. For the most part, people don't like to be corrected, right? So if you're arguing with somebody and they're saying that you did something and you come back and say, no, I didn't do it, sometimes they're not even listening to the facts. They're just listening to the fact that you're arguing against it. In many ways, it's Mets versus Yankees. It's my team versus your team. I'm my team. You're your team. I'm going to beat your team. That's what arguments are. So I get very frustrated, very frustrated when I feel I'm not understood. I get very frustrated when I feel that I'm not being listened to. If a relationship or a friendship or some sort of you know, bond that I have with somebody is worth it enough to me, I will talk your ear off until the two of us can get on the same page. If we both have the same goals, if we both care about the bond that we have, there's no reason for me to argue with you. I'll talk to you. I'll tell you, hey, this is why I feel that we should do this. You tell me why we should do that. It's always this idea of trying to get common ideas from somebody else, but most people don't do that. I don't get it. I really don't. I feel like an alien dropped onto this planet to discover, you know, human interaction. I'm like Yakov Smirnoff in the 80s. What the country? Like it doesn't, it's insane to me that people will argue just simply to win, to win a point, to hurt you. That's another one that gets me. Some people just want to hurt you. I don't, I don't like to do that. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's the way I grew up. Maybe it's who I am now. Maybe it's all these different things. But I know that I don't like to just hurt people. People will do that. And what's even crazier is that your brain if you're like me, will tell you that what they're saying is somewhat true. I've told myself, like, they, well, they wouldn't just be hurting me. You know, there's, they're saying it for a reason. There's gotta be, and then you find out later on, it's doing it to hurt me. We all have that. We'll have a friend who will try to help us, quote unquote, through a hard time, and they'll tell you something that you find out isn't true. And then when you go back to them, you're like, hey, why did you say that? Like, I don't remember saying that. You get, people deal with this all the time. A lot of the times when we have interactions with other people, we're not on the same page. You're arguing for one reason, they're arguing for another. There is no common point to hit. And when you reach a situation like that with somebody else, 
nine times out of 10, it's over. It's done. One of the people is already moved on or one of the people is so hurt that they just want to be angry at you. Whatever it is, there's a reason for it. And what ends up happening is you go your separate ways, life moves on, and you feel better. You feel good. It's a new world. It's a new life. You know, I'm, I'm past this. I'm not, I don't have to worry about, you know, this guy that I'm friends with calling me all the time, all day long. I don't have to worry about, you know, this relationship. I don't have to worry about all these things. You start to like move on. But there's something in your brain that goes, ah, oh, man, I feel like it's just hanging out there though still. I wish I could fix this. And then, uh, that's when you go in for the closure. And that's when you get screwed. That's when you lose it. You lose the healthy next step. And some of us get caught in that closure loop for way too long. And it's that idea of, I have to go back. I have to go back. I have to talk to this person. I got to tell them why I said the things I said, because they're still going out there saying that I said this or I thought that. And it's not true. I got to tell them because then they'll understand and we'll be fine and everything will be okay. And you go back and it sucks. In the history of Earth, I can't imagine too many situations where two people got into a terrible kind of you know, breakup, argument, separate way kind of a thing, and one of them comes back, hey, can we just talk about it? I just want to explain my, my point of view, where the other person goes, you're right. You know what? Yeah. Okay. Let's rewind everything. I mean, there's nothing to do. Half the time you go back, you don't even want to fix anything. That was with me. I would go back to somebody. I had no interest in bringing them back into my life or seeing them again. I just wanted them to know. This is what I thought. This is what I felt. But here's the, here's the rub. I, here's the rub. Um, if they were the type of people who cared about that to begin with, it probably wouldn't have reached this point. If they were the type of people who really cared about seeing your point of view, reaching a common you know, understanding, you wouldn't need closure at all anyway. They would have done it already. At this point, most of us, we've talked ourselves to death. I do this all the time. I, I have a conflict with somebody. I talk and I talk and I talk. I want you to know where I'm coming from. I feel myself being annoying. And I think that that post-destruction search for closure is a part of that for me. It's this desire to just keep it going. I don't know if it's unhealthy. I don't know what it is. All I know is that I've, I've found myself for prolonged periods of time and unhealthy back and forths because I thought I just needed to say one final thing to this person or I just needed to get something out there. I need you to understand this. Don't you understand this? And the next thing you know, I'm back in this loop again. Not only am I in this loop because now I'm not even trying to save any sort of relationship. I'm just like spouting out information to somebody who doesn't care. And in many cases, I said before, we're not on the same page. Some people get off on that, man. They like that that idea of being able to pull you back in and throw you back out and pull you back in and throw you back out. So my advice, don't get closure. Closure doesn't exist. Closure isn't real. Closure is a trap that will keep you coming back to toxic people over and over again. Here we go. When I was in high school, I had the perfect life. I was already cheer captain. I had the hot boyfriend, and all that was left was prom queen. Oh my God. Do you want to feel old? I'll help you feel old. I just saw a movie trailer for a film on Netflix, if they still have people, called Senior Year. Senior Year is a story of a girl. She was the cheer captain. 
She was popular in school. Um, she got into some sort of coma. It's always like some awful. They always take these comedy movies and they put something awful right in the beginning and they don't really elaborate on it. You're like, she's in a coma. Holy shit. But instead of it being like, they play for laughs. You know, I'm sure the family is probably going to use her as like a paperweight and stuff. Um, so she goes into a coma for 20 years and comes out and goes to redo high school. 20 years ago was 2002. I graduated high school in 95. 2002. This is almost a decade after I got out of high school. And that's now become the nostalgia. That's now the joke where we could look back and be like, ah, look, look at that. That's so long ago. It's not that long ago. 2002. It's not that long ago. It's post 9-11. To me, I feel like post 9-11 is all the modern day stuff. And for this, these people, it's like 2002. Wow. It's so long. I don't know what that was going on anymore. I don't, I don't know what's going on anymore. 2002. I remember Britney Spears. And at one point in the trailer, she's like, there's eight more fast and furious movies. And I'm like, oh, there weren't, I didn't have any fast and furious movies when I was in high school. We had like Forrest Gump. The hell man. What happened? What happened to you? you used to be young. Ugh. Give me some sanity. This is your moment of sanity. I went back and I was rereading some old blogs from years gone by. And one of the things that I've noticed about writing these blogs is that I get these stories out that are in my head and then they're out of my head. I don't think about them anymore. And it's been so therapeutic in that respect. And I mean that 100%. A lot of these, especially the early articles, are stories that would rattle around in my brain. I would tell it to the shower walls, you know, like I felt like I had to get it out. And then I wrote about it and it's been years and I haven't really thought about some of them just because of the amount of time that has gone by and the mere fact that I got it out. So when I go back and I reread some of these articles, it, it blows my mind. And one of the articles that I reread was one of the early favorites from a lot of people. It was kind of polarizing when it came to the response and it was a special needs, needless blame. Now, here's what's really weird. It's been about five years since I wrote it. And when I would see that, title, I would think that I knew what it was about, but I haven't read it in a while. So I went back and I reread it. And the story was about searching for blame for a reason why my son didn't talk, for a reason why my son was nonverbal uh, with autism, severe autism, however you want to term it, trying to find something that I could point to as the reason. And as insane as it sounds, as a special needs parent, there's a comfort initially in the hope that you've done something wrong because you can correct that. And I forgot about this. And every once in a while, I'll read something or read an old train of thought that I had at some point in my life. And it, it almost breaks my heart away. I feel bad. I want to go back to myself and be like, dude, what are you doing? You put so much on yourself. And I remember there was a story I wrote about in the article that I forgot existed until I read it. And it was how I remember after he had you know, we had discovered that he's not going to talk. It's been like time has been going on. He was over two. And I remember talking to my then ex-wife at the time and saying to her, this is my fault. I figured it out. Don't worry. And this is so weird. I said, um, with our daughter, I talked more to her. I, I wrestled around with him too much. We kind of play around. I need to talk to him, sit down and talk. And I remember that phone call. I remember saying that. I remember that being a thing. I don't remember what the response was. I just remember my end of this conversation. And I'd gone back and I reread it in this article. And it's such a sad, sad thought at the time that I blame myself in that way for my son not speaking. I'll tell you guys this. It's now years later since that happened. It's been years since I wrote 
that particular blog, he still doesn't speak. Um, there are things very pronounced in his life that he's going to need help with and, and these things for the rest of his life. He's going to need care. These are all things that I've accepted and things that we've we've dealt with and things that have become a part of our lives to the point where it's not necessarily a burden or a hassle. It's just, it's how we all interact. We're a family. This is what families do. But at the time, I remember it being the most dire thing in the world because it hadn't happened yet. Take something difficult that you hear about for any family, whatever they could be dealing with, whether it's a terminal illness, whether it's a, you know, a, a disability, whether it's unemployment, whatever it happens to be, something that's bothering another family. And just imagine it's completely not connected to you. And then somebody says, hey, this is now part of your family. You're going to be scared initially. You're going to try to figure out what you can do to fix it. You're going to try to figure out what you did to cause it. You're going to try to figure out how you got here. And that's what I did initially with my son when I learned about these you know, uh, challenges, so to speak. That's another thing too, man. It's hard to figure out what words to use because in no way do I ever mean to imply that my son is not every bit as deserving and as much of a person in this family as everybody else is. My son is amazing. I love him to death. But referring to the way that autism affects him, referring to some of these things in a way that doesn't at least highlight the fact that he does have a tougher lot in life is not fair. It's not fair to him. It's not fair to us. My son's going to have a a tougher lot in life. There's going to be things that he's going to have to work towards that other people don't. There's things that he still doesn't know how to do that kids far younger than him know how to do. So to turn around and pretend like it's, it's a joyous thing for him, it's not dire and it doesn't make him less of a person, but it's definitely something that this poor kid is going to have to really work on for his life. So I try to find a way to term it. Challenges, I don't say disability, I don't know how else to put it. Um, but yeah, once these, these challenges were kind of accepted into our life, it was different than that initial worry. It was different than that initial terror that went with it. I've written blogs about this over and over again. The fear versus the reality of having a child who's nonverbal with autism is such a different thing. And it's all about knowledge. It's all about how much you know. It's all about how much you've experienced. It's all about whether or not you've been around autism at all. I was barely around anybody with autism by the time I had someone with autism in my family. It's not something they ramp you up to. You know, we meet these people they have a child with autism in their family and they seem to have all the stuff figured out. They know, you know, the, the agencies to call. They know what they need to bring with them. They know what their kid can do, what their kid can't do, why they're acting a certain way. And it, it amazes people. They're like, wow, this person must be an expert in autism. And they're not. They're just people who one day had a child on the autism spectrum. And that's what I am. I had a child who wasn't on the spectrum. I raised her. She was three when my son was born. And then he came along and it was like raising a different style kid. Things I needed to know, things I needed to learn, things I needed to remember. And in the end, all the things I did didn't lead to him speaking. All the things I did didn't quote unquote save him or whatever I would have thought at the time was the important way to put it. Because it was never about that. Being his dad is not about making him speak. Being his dad is not about making him reach milestones. Being his dad is not about like forcing him towards life skills that he's struggling with. I'm there to help him with those things, but whether or not he does them doesn't define whether or not I'm a good dad to him. What makes me a good dad to him is understanding who he is, accepting who he is, and loving him for who he is, and that's what I do. Um, So if you're listening to this and you're going through the same thing and you're trying to blame yourself or figure out what you did, I get it. I know that feeling, that hope. It's got to be something I did. If it's something that I did, then you know that's awesome. Then I could fix it. 
I don't know, man. Sometimes you don't need to fix it. Sometimes it just is what it is. And you'll see, like as, as challenging as a lot of the things are that I go through with Lucas, I would not trade him for the world. So happy to have him in my life. And the more time you have your kid, the more you realize it. So that's my moment of sanity. My son is my moment of sanity. Both my kids are my moment of sanity. There are certain times where they're not sanity, but for the most part, the two of them, uh, yeah, they definitely keep my my mental acumen going strong. So there you go. Moment of sanity, my kids. Hopefully your kids are your moment of sanity. Whatever they happen to be, do me a favor. Stop by on our Facebook. Stop by the blog, highblogomdad.com. Go to Facebook, highblogomdad. Uh, you could go to Twitter, at Hi James Gutman, Facebook, Hi James Gutman, Instagram, at Hi James Gutman. We're all over the place, guys. H I James Gutman. Uh, follow me, find me, like me, like me, please. And that does it for me. Until next Friday, this is James Gutman saying, Be well. Bye, Pot. I'm back.